Donnie. Hi, listener. Welcome back to another episode of A Real Page Turner. How are you, Donnie? I'm doing well. Ready to uh, talk about another book and film adaptation. Yeah. So this week we have a an old, well, we would consider it an oldie, although I feel like 1996 was just like, you know, a few short years ago. But we're doing Fight Club by Chuck Palahanek, published in 1996. I don't really think this was ever classified as like a bestseller, but it was originally a seven page short story and published in a compilation, The Pursuit of Happiness in 1995. And then the author Chuck Palahniuk, uh expanded on it and made it into Fight Club. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. So yeah, I just Good, probably butchered you know, it, but yeah. yeah. A for effort. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, let's talk about Fight Club. Let's talk about it. That's that's okay, right? You know, so it's a lot of talk about right? Fight Club. <laughs> the yeah. first rule of Fight Club is really? we don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. When um, was the movie? Was it 1999? Yeah, ni- 99. 99. That's, um, you know, I was a little 11-year-old kid, so I was not in the target audience for this. <laughs> but I, um, so... Yeah, the movie uh, was the, um, came out in 1999. It was uh, directed by David Fincher, written by J- Jim Ewells, and it stars uh, Edward Norton, Brad Pitt, Helena Bonham Carter, also features in supporting roles uh, Jared Leto, and even a uh, musician of Meatloaf. Wait, wait, wait. Who was Jared Leto? He was the um, one of the followers. He was the blonde one. Was he Mr. Angel Face? Yes. Yes. No. Yeah. It's weird because like it's, it wasn't a very big part, but like again, like this is like twenty plus years ago, and I think uh, he was not like a well-known actor. I think what he did what Requiem for a Dream. I think like a few years after after that, that kind of like catapulted him to start uh, like superstardom. So this is like just ra- like a rather nondescript type of role. Okay, I did not pick up that role. was Jared Leto. Yeah, and was, Meat- was Meatloaf. He was a uh, Bob. Bob. Okay. Now yeah. that you say that, I'm like, no kidding. I yeah. now that you say it, and I remember his face. I'm like, I do not remember that. Yeah. Um, now that you say it, I just watched it, and I didn't pick <laughs> up. That's okay. I know my actors, yeah, and I, I, musicians. <laughs> There's so the movie. Um, the movie debuted, and it was kind of like underwhelming at the box office. It like didn't really do all that all that great. Uh, it was kind of uh, the Many attributed this to like marketing that studio was not really sure how to market this film. Uh, so it's, you know, it wasn't an absolute bomb, but was kind of disappoint, kind of disappointing. But it later it like developed, um, became like a cult favorite, and over time, like with DVD sales and all, and you know, watching TV, it d- developed this following, and now, like, it's developed into this cult film that's uh, uh, highly quoted and parodied and everything, you know, people always make jokes about, oh, we don't talk about Fight Club or something, and it did, um, it did have pretty uh, good critical reviews. It was nominated for one Oscar for its uh, sound editing, which it lost the, to The Matrix that year. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so I remember I first watched this movie probably like not long after it was out, uh, you know, on the original Netflix, probably I got the DVD in the mail and then had to return it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's what I probably, my sister used to love this movie. and was like, oh, you have to watch Fight Club. And my husband and I watched it and we were like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know why 
people like this movie. Like we just didn't get it at all. So fast forward to like last week and we watched it again and I still stand by. I don't totally get like I got it more. I don't remember. We should say to our audience, one, that there's going to be spoilers. Spoiler alert. Yes, definitely spoilers. Spoiler alert. Yeah. From the first time. So it was like, kind of felt like I was watching it new. Like I didn't remember Project Mayhem or any of that um, from the first time, you know, so I I just didn't remember all of that. But I will say the only word I had for both the book and the movie was bleak. (laughs) Yeah. It just, yeah. This is not, um, this is not like Mary Poppins. (laughs) No, it's not uplifting. Neither were uplifting. In fact, I think I found the book more depressing. Um, You know, I just was kind of like, this is not a, not, not something I would generally read. And, you know, it was funny because I was reading up on, you know, the author and what he had to say about it. And he's saying, you know, when he published this book in like 1996, like all of the books that were out were like things about that presented like social model for women to be together. Like he quotes, like the books are the, like, he, the author like quotes the bookstores are full of movies like the Joy Luck Club, the Divine Secrets of the IS Sisterhood, How to Make an American Quilt, which I don't remember. But he said like they all presented like the social model for women to be together, but there was no novel that presented a social model for men to share their lives. So like that's kind of an interesting take. And I was like reading also that he said like he like was in a fight one day and he came to like work or where he was like beat up and nobody questioned him about it. So like, that was kind of like an incident in his life where he thought like, what if I wrote a book about this? You know, obviously fictionalized, but just kind of one of those things where like people don't question you if you show up somewhere with a black eye. Yeah. Oh, and I saw that you mentioned the Joy Luck Club and we do have an episode on that. So if you've never never, uh, listened to it, check it out. Shameless self-promotion there. But yeah, that is interesting. I also, I did want to make that that point as well i also read about that how he had you know uh, shown up to work with like the black eye the injuries or whatever and had and sh- kind of struck and no one really questioned him about it and i think that kind of like you know it was a statement on how we are as a society and especially like like work life that people just show up and do their th- do their thing and don't really don't really care so much as like what's going on like outside of outside of like the four walls of work or some, something so it's um definitely an interesting point and, and and it was it was weird like seeing like in, in the film like the the kind of juxtaposition is like here and it's his, when he's in his job and showing up with you know where everyone's you know kind of dressed nice and shirts and ties and not and then but and him with his you know black eyes and bruises and cuts and all that it's uh very interesting the juxtaposition there <laughs> Yeah. And I thought that the, um, I mean, I did think that the movie was, you know, pretty faithful to the themes and the elements of the, of the book. You know, I thought with some differences, like, you know, almost like little ones, like the way he meets Tyler Durden, you know, in the book, it's on a nude beach, which is kind of funny. And in the movie, it's on a plane. Like it looks like Tyler Durden sitting next to him on a plane, like, you know, small stuff like that. And I think at the end, of the book, he kills his boss in an explosion. Whereas in the movie, that doesn't happen. Like he threatens his boss, yeah. but he doesn't kill him. I I found like the book to be much more graphic and expanding on things that like Project Mayhem did and the subcommittees of Project Mayhem and things like that. But I was confused. Maybe you can clear this up for me. Is at the end of the movie, he's not dead. 
He has shot himself on the other side of the face, right? He's not dead. He's walking away with Marla Singer. And in the book, it seems like he's talking about heaven, but I can't figure out if he's dead or in a hospital or mental institution. Yeah, I I think with the book, with the book, it's he's in the mental institution. Okay, that That is where I kind of went to. He was either in a hospital or institution. I'm like, I can't, I don't think he's dead because he's talking about seeing Marla again. Yeah. And I found that very, like, I was like, huh, that's strange and a little bit different. Um, But I think he still shot himself on the other side of the face. Yeah. He he um, did. Okay. Yeah, I think I... I think I preferred the book ending to the mo- uh, to the movie because, like, you know, I think like it was like a little like a creepier at that that you had him in the mental institution, but like there were workers like coming up to him and nodding at him and saying, you know, who kind of revealing themselves as members of Project Mayhem, and it's so it's very, you know, so it's like this is this you know monster that he created, and you know, it's kind of it's grown like bigger than him, but that is still going. God, it's just like I liked it. Like I liked it a little better. I think it was more like a little like more of a gut punch than the movie. Like the movie had. Well, obviously the movie you know shows him and Marla at the standing in that in that building and watching all the other buildings explode or something. It's like yeah, that's a nice like visual like special effects type thing. But I think you know the book ending was a little more in- more interesting. It's like more like Hitchcock a little or something. Yeah. What I, I what I did like that they did in the movie a little bit better is his realization that he is Tyler Durden. You know, like they kind of yeah. use those fast scenes of him like being on a plane and going places and people talking to him and you know him trying to figure out what's going on, but nobody wants to tell him what's going on because the first rule of fight club is you don't talk about fight club. Yes. Some people think he's like baiting them or testing their, you know, testing their loyalty and no one will actually like say to him, You you are Tyler Durden. I like the way they do the realization in the movie. And again, it you yeah. have to wrap it up. So they do it in fast scenes, which is which is yeah. interesting. I thought they did it. And I like that visually. You know, when you're reading it, like, you know, the author does, and he talks about using like short sentences. Like he does use a lot of short sentences, like on the plane to landing in Seaport, turning back my watch. Like you, he talks you through it, but I like the way the movie shows it to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely good. And it, it's interesting because I knew, like I had seen this movie years ago and it had a question years, but you know, I knew the, the twist to that, that Tyler wasn't real and it was just him the whole time. And it was an interesting perspective as I was watching this last night that I was able to like kind of look for clues that and little things. And like, this is the part where Marla and Tyler are having, you know, they're just got done being intimate, which is a common theme throughout the film. (laughs) And him and the Edward Norton's character, who's never named, called, uh, just referred to as the narrator. And he, they're talking, and then Marla says, um, "He's like, who are you talking to?" So I was like, "Oh, there's a little clue there." And then, and then there's another scene where uh, the narrator confronts his boss and tries to make it seem like the boss has um, is beating him up. So he winds up beating himself up in the room and like shouting that, like, you know, well, what are you doing or something to kind of like trap his boss or something. And, and then as he's beating himself up, he says. Uh, he says, oh, this reminds me of the first time I met Tyler, meaning because we later learned that, you know, when Tyler and him get into a fight, it's just him beating himself up. So it was all like little clues throughout. So it was like, it was like nice watching this, knowing the twist that I could, that 
I could like pick out the little clues that felt like uh felt like the second time I watched this, the sixth sense. I was just going to say it's kind yeah. of like the second time, yeah, you watch the sixth sense. You're like, oh yeah. Wait. Um, yeah. And then um, you go back and, and rewatch it. And I felt like that reading it because when I watched it again, I honestly had not, I did not remember at that all. My husband said to me, I actually think they're the same person if I remember the end of this movie correctly. And I'm like, huh, I don't remember that. But it is funny that you say the unnamed narrator because they never tell us Edna Ernst's character's name. So it's almost like you only know the Tyler Durden character because you don't get a, like he's narrating and telling you what he's doing at work, but you never really like get like a close up of, or even know his name in the book or the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, um, is it interesting? Like one thing that like really stood out to me was like, it's kind of like peeling back the onion a little in this film and how everything kind of snowballs, like how it just started as just a bunch of guys beating each other up and then progressively like they do acts of vandalism and that, and then eventually turn into like this terrorist organization of that and how like it's just you know for the narrator how it just becomes big just becomes bigger than himself and it's like it also even though this is you know a very bleak film it's not very funny it felt like it felt kind of like a comedy in that regards because as you know i watch a lot of comedies and a, a lot of comedies the basic the basic premises are like just ordinary people in like kind of like extraordinary situations like situations bigger than themselves or something so Mm -hmm. it's uh there so like it kind of like felt like it was kind of the same structure that like he was just this ordinary guy who worked like a typical like boring office job just and uh but this kind of like makes it bigger than himself that's one of the reasons why like i like the book ending better because as i mentioned that he he had realized that project mayhem was bigger than himself as now in the mental hospital like there's people all over yeah and i think you know when you look at like what what was what was the reason for tyler jordan's character right like like the societal messages that you know the narrator was tired of working just for stuff Right. Like he talks about like all of the Ikea furniture, all of his fancy, you know, tables that he was buying and, you know, all the things he had in his apartment. It was very modern and all of his belongings and, and material goods are blown out when he, when the apartment's blown up. And I think like the whole conflict in the book between like the narrator and Tyler Durden is that he doesn't want to live for material purposes and purchase, you know, and purchases that, you know, Project Mayhem is kind of going against the institution in wanting to like go back to like, you know, a culture where it's not driven by material goods, which I think is kind of the message between Tyler, the conflict between Tyler Durden's character and the narrator is that he's, you know, working the nine to five job every day and you get in the monotony because he knows what day it is by which color tie his boss is wearing. And this is like kind of the, his alter ego of Tyler Durden is kind of the person who's revolting against all of that and leading the charge against all of, all of like kind of just society's norms for materialistic, materialistic goods, which is interesting. But like what you said about the end, yeah, it is bigger than him at the end and he can't stop it you know he created it unwittingly as a different person because he was an insomniac and had obviously split personality due to that yeah (laughs) or some type of mental break but he can't stop it now yeah it's like that that scene in the police police office headquarters where they're questioning him and then after the detective leaves the other officers there uh you find out are also members of project mayhem they say like oh you know it's like you said you know 
uh, like we either have, if you ever like do this, like try to stop it, you know, we, you know, you told us to anyone has, we have to like not to be too graphic, but they say to cut their balls off or something and they go to right. like attack them. And it's almost, you know, and like, I mean, the comparison to comedies and it reminded me of that scene in Young Frankenstein when he, when Gene Wilder's character tells them, it's like, oh, I'm going to, you know, see the monster and, you know, no matter what I say, don't let me out. Don't let me out of this room with them. And then after couple seconds he's like oh he's like come on for the love of god let me out let me out or something so that's what it reminded reminded me of so yeah and you know you get in the book too that they've done that more than once you know they did that trick but it's with the rubber bands they don't actually cut the person but in the book you get the feeling that maybe they have cut people and like you know they you know they killed somebody because they killed him at like a murder mystery night and his wife didn't really think he was dead but he was like there's not that level of like external bloodshed in the movie like they're beating each other up but they're not really trying to harm other people right like the buildings they blow up are empty like there's not yeah. that level like i feel like the book is like a little bit more violent yeah yeah good great point that yeah because i believe like the only like bob is the only character who dies and that's because you know he gets shot by police during one of their right yeah he's the only casualty ass. in the yeah. book as far as i recall yeah it just seems like there's more in the in the book and it's just um but one thing like i liked in the movie with like the visuals or that that like you know and it was almost like kind of funny like seeing like everyone like get beat up like you'd see um, in the beginning like just the fight club the fight club and they're just you know being each other up and then you see them like going about the regular day jobs with like bandages and cuts and everything and the one that really like stood out to me at the end like well towards the end as the, the project mayhem is unfolding and narrators going to all these different cities where tyler has supposedly been and he goes into that bar and meets the bartender who's has like the whole yeah. like, big brace thing on to like just kind of shows like you know how it really like snowballs from like just like some yeah he's like in cuts. the neck brace yeah the neck brace mm-hmm. <laughs> very interesting. yeah it's kind of funny like and their allegiance still doesn't even though they're like so injured their allegiance still doesn't waver yeah it's like definitely like, like very like cultist Cultish yeah, I was say, it's very cult-like. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like scary. Yeah, but it is a well-quoted movie. Yeah, and yeah. parodied. Like when I was reading some up on this, like the author talks about how often it's parodied and quoted. And you know, people think there are actual Fight Clubs around, and he doesn't really have a lot of insight yeah. into if there is or isn't. Yeah, there's been like some like controversies there that people like have copycats and like inspired in those movies, like have done some stuff and had Fight Club, and you know, and it's something you mentioned like parodies. It's something I was reading the wikipedia entry for it and they were talking about like you know fight club and popular culture and parodies and and i had to look it up that someone made a parody like combining fight club with ferris bueller's day off called it ferris club and kind of like <laughs> showed this like you know the relationship between the narrator and tyler durden is the same as like cameron and ferris bueller at that so i had i last night i'm looking up on youtube this video something and they showed like scenes of ferris bueller but it's like the same like color tint of like fight the fight club movie and that and the, it's so like bizarre but it's very funny right that mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah and i've seen you know so many things so yeah it's definitely entered into the pop culture lexicon yeah but yeah. it's not something i'd watch again or read again <laughs> <laughs> quite honestly it was just very uh, yeah yeah 
And I don't know if it is a book for guys. Like, I don't know. Maybe it is. Like he did write this book for, you know, he said there was all women's books out there about men getting together, but I think there's maybe got to be a better way for men to get together. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, play fantasy football instead. Right. I'm like, yeah. this is pretty amazing. It's a better. It's so anything else week. you want to talk about? No, it's uh, definitely interesting. Like it's like, I agree with you. It's very bleak at that. Like it, it, it's weird because it was a well-written book and a well-made movie in that but like yeah not not uplifting like not enjoyable not like oh it's like i like this but you know i appreciate you know it was both are well crafted and makes sense and yeah in my opinion yeah now my sister yeah. loved the movie so <laughs> we you know there are people that absolutely probably this is their thing and i maybe have to be in the right frame of mind and not looking for something to be uplifting well listener thanks for tuning in to another episode we'll be back next week and until then keep reading and keep watching.